Last week, Easter Sunday, we began a new series. Does anyone remember what that series was called? Empty. Empty. Thank you, Ramses. Empty. That's right. Empty. Someone told me, someone outside of our church family, they said, you know, that's a bold move to, to not only begin a series called empty on Easter Sunday, but to call the, the church into emptiness. They said that's a bold move to say, I want our church to be empty on Easter. My reaction, <laughs> I said, well, it was a bold move what Jesus did for us. It was a bold move to call, to, to, to equip the women and to call them to be the first to, to go to the tomb that first Easter morning to encounter the empty tomb. It was a bold move for God to send his messengers to the women and then to send the women off as the first missionaries to go back to the upper room to tell the disciples, We've, we, we went to the tomb, but the tomb was empty. I said that was a bold move. So what I did, I don't think was so bold. I think it was a bold move of God last Sunday at about 9 o'clock as I'm up here preparing for the message that I believe he gave to me to, 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 to deliver to our church and he changed it at 9 o'clock last Sunday morning. And I want to tell you, that's a bold move. And I wasn't happy at 9 o'clock last Sunday morning. And just as I prayed, sometimes we complain, sometimes we grumble, sometimes your pastor argues with God and says, God, are you sure? Because I think what I have down on paper is pretty good. And then God says, no, I think what I've got is a little bit better. Why don't you listen to me? So John chapter 20, we're going to go back there today and we're going to continue in this, this series, this theme of emptiness. Last week I gave you a definition of what, it, what empty is. If you look it up in the dictionary, empty means containing nothing. Containing nothing, lacking meaning. It also means that it has no value or no purpose. So if you use the word empty, contains nothing, not filled, lacking meaning, lacking sincerity as well, the dictionary says, having no value and no purpose. I thought about my own life, and I've thought about the lives of so many people that I have met, so many of us are dealing with emptiness. Can I get an amen to that? So many people, maybe today you come here and you say, yeah, I recognize that there's some emptiness in my own life, but I'm sure many of us know friends and family members, co-workers, neighbors that are dealing with emptiness in their life, or we can look around at the world around us, we can flip on the news or open, open the, the news up on the internet and we will read about the emptiness that's going on in our community, in our nation today, and in the world around us today. There is so much emptiness. Last week we talked about three things, empty experiences. Maybe it's a season in your life that you've encountered this emptiness. Empty experiences, empty encounters. Maybe it's even a relationship 
in your life. Maybe it's something in your past or perhaps it's something that's going on today and you thought, you know what, if I just find that person, if I just enter into this relationship, then all this emptiness that I've ever felt is going to pass away and I'm going to find complete fulfillment. But as you enter into that encounter, that relationship, you experience even more emptiness. Maybe it's empty emotions, and maybe we can all identify with that, that we've had these unexplainable, sometimes, emotions that, are complete, that leave us completely empty. Whatever the case is, I think we can all agree that we deal with emptiness in our lives and in this world today. And so, as I said last week, my hope is that through this series, we can flip the script on that definition of what it truly means to encounter emptiness. Not necessarily redefine empty, but come to a place in our lives where when we encounter or experience or feel empty, we can step into that and come to that realization that we can have hope. That we can have confidence. That we can have assurance even in the midst of the empty. Last week, I invited you to step into the emptiness. Step into the emptiness. Those are not my words. Those are God's words to us. First, to me, as the one delivering that message, I said, God, are you crazy? Step into the emptiness. I don't want to say that on Easter Sunday. Step into the emptiness. Nobody wants to step into the emptiness, God. You've got to be, you've, you, I, I've got to be hearing voice. This is not from God. But he said, no, no, no. Step into the emptiness. Last week I said, step into the emptiness. Step into those encounters in your life that leave you completely lacking. Step into those encounters that are not fulfilling. Step into those emotions that leave you wanting for more. Step into the emptiness and let us allow then Jesus to surround us. Just as he did on that resurrection morning when Mary and the other women went to the tomb with spices and they're prepared to roll the stone away. They don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to roll the stone away and they, they're talking as they get there about their emotions, about the days that have led up to this point. They're talking about who's going to roll the stone away and they get there and they find that the stone's been rolled away. Fear strikes them. And they walk into the mouth of this tomb and they see that it's completely empty. Jesus is not there. But this is not the moment that they celebrate. This is not the moment that they're flooded with victory and confidence and hope and assurance. No, they begin to, to weep. Where have they taken the Savior? Where have they taken Jesus? We didn't even see this coming, and now we get hit with another round of emptiness. 
So they stand there and God then greets them through two messengers. Who says to them this message, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for fulfillment among the emptiness? He is not here. He has risen. Now go and tell his disciples. So they run back and they tell the disciples, right? They tell the, these men that are sitting in the upper room. Jesus, we went to the tomb and he's not there. And the disciples, these grown men, these fishermen, these tough disciples of Jesus, they begin to weep. And they said, but that's not the end of the story. You've got to hear what happened next, guys. Then we met two messengers from God and he gave us this message. The word tells us that their words sounded like nonsense to these men. It didn't make sense to them. So Peter, being the bold person that he was, he takes off running, bolts out the door and takes off running to the tomb. Maybe he's going to find some answers. He's going to encounter these messengers from God too. But when he gets to the tomb, all he finds is an empty tomb. Strips of linen laying on the ground and Jesus' grave cloths folded up and laid on the cold slab where Jesus' body had been hours before. Peter, scratching his head, he walks back to the upper room. Confused, lonely, hurt. He walks into the room the other disciples are there with him and immediately they start asking him questions you know you would too peter what'd you see did you encounter any one peter still confused he shuts the door and he locks it i mean what do you what do you think at this moment, if you're Peter, what, what, what emotions, but what thoughts are going through your head at this moment? What do you even say? I mean, it's all these questions. What did you see? What did you encounter? What do you, what's the news, Peter? What do you think if you're one of the disciples, right, in the room that day? Peter, the, first the, the women come back, then Peter runs out the door. Where's Peter going? Then Peter comes back. What, what's, what's the news, Peter? He shakes his head, locks the door. Peter looks around then at the, this room. This is the same room that Jesus had eaten supper with them Four days before. This was the same place that Jesus had broken the bread and passed it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. This was the same place that Jesus took his own cup. He passed it to them and he said, this is my blood in the new covenant shed for you and for many. And he said, drink in remembrance of me. Peter's going through all of that. He's going through seeing Jesus hanging on a cross. Peter's going through his own denial in the courtyard that morning. 
Peter's going through the emotions that he felt as he ran to the tomb, expecting to see Jesus or a messenger of God, and yet he encounters nothing. So amidst all these questions, Peter is searching for an answer. He's empty. And then John chapter 20, verse 19, tells us what happened that very evening. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Can you imagine? See, as I talk about the emptiness that we all encounter in our lives, the emptiness that's in our world today, I believe that just as John 20 verse 19 says, when Jesus comes and he meets us in our emptiness, the very first words that he says to us are, peace be with you. And I don't take it as a command, you need to be filled with peace. Right now, here I am, take on peace, right? No, instead, I take this as an announcement. Peace be with you. I am here, you don't have to be empty anymore. You don't have to be afraid anymore. The peace is here with you now. I'm standing in your presence. Jesus says, peace be with you. And I believe he says that to us in our emptiness. If you've followed Jesus for any length of time and you've really come face to face with the reality of the emptiness in our world today and you've stood in that emptiness, I believe Jesus meets you there and he says, peace is here. All that you've been searching for in the world around you, it's here and it's now. Peace be with you. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands, he showed them his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I bet they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. See, when we stand in our emptiness, and we stand in the midst of the emptiness of this world, I believe Jesus shows himself to us, and the emptiness, the experiences, the encounters, the emotions, everything that we are dealing with, that emptiness turns to peace, and that peace turns to joy. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And then, this is not the end. Jesus said, peace be with you. Again, I am here. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Jesus, I don't want to hear that. Here, here's the reality. If I'm empty, if I'm broken, if I'm hurting, 
And I cry out to Jesus, or I stand in the midst of that emptiness, and I wait for Jesus. Just as I said last week, we step into that emptiness, and we let Jesus surround us. If I'm standing there, and Jesus then begins to show himself to me, and reveal truth to me, my emptiness turns to peace in his presence. My emptiness turns to joy as I experience his presence. I want to celebrate. Amen. And I think that's where the church is. We want to celebrate. Jesus is here. Amen. We just want to bask in that moment. And yet it's in that moment that Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you back into the emptiness. I'm sending you back into the confusion. I'm sending you back into the hurt and the brokenness. Jesus, I don't want to be there. See, I've said it so many times. It is so easy to come into the church and to worship God. It's so much more difficult when we're out in the world around us, isn't it? And to raise our hands and say, Jesus, I'm going to praise you even in the brokenness. Jesus, I'm going to praise you even when I don't feel the energy to praise you. Jesus, I'm going to praise you when nothing in my life makes sense. I'm going to praise you, Jesus, when everyone is, is condemning me and critiquing me and making fun of me. And nothing seems to be going my way. I'm going to praise you, Jesus, when I feel like I'm entitled to more. See, it's so easy to praise Jesus when we're in the church. And we have such great freedom to do that. And yet Jesus says, that's not my plan. I want to show myself to you. I want to, I want to bring you to that place where you are experiencing peace and joy, but I, want, I don't want to leave you there. I want to send you back out because that's the commission. That's where the work has to happen. So Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you back into the emptiness, back into the hurt, back into the confusion, back into the brokenness of the world around you. But, and this is important, he doesn't send us back in the same way he found us. Let me say that again. He doesn't send us back into the emptiness, back into the brokenness and the confusion and the hurt in the same way he found us, in the same way he stepped into our life and found us wrestling with that emptiness. No. Instead, we read here in verse 21, 22, that he gives us his spirit. Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. See, I've got a great concern. That the church today never comes to that place where we receive the Holy Spirit because we don't receive the commission that Jesus gives to us. And when Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, go back into the world and make a difference. 
We hear those words and say, no, Jesus, I'm staying right here. Because that, that, that hurts out there. That left me with a lot of questions, a lot of confusion. I don't see a, a, a time or a way that I could go back out there. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Just as God sent me and I gave up my throne in glory and I came down into the world and I gave up my life freely for you, now I'm sending you out into the world as my disciples, my ambassadors, the ones that are going to make a difference. But so often, let's be honest, friends, so often we sit down and say, nope, I'm going to stay right here in my pew. And I'm going to worship as long as the music's good, Karen. And I'm going to worship as long as the sermon is good. And I'm going to worship as long as everybody in the church is nice to me. But if something doesn't go my way, I'm going to go find a place that is comfortable. But I think the reality, as we read Jesus' words, is it's not supposed to be comfortable. Jesus says, you were empty, you were broken, you were hurting, you were confused. So many questions, and I came into your life and I said, peace is here. I showed myself to you. I, 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 I gave you every reason to, to believe in me, to proclaim my name. You were overjoyed. And then I said, go into the world and proclaim. And you said, no. See, unless we accept the commission, I don't know that Jesus will ever pour down and breathe his Holy Spirit fully into our lives. And that's the place that we've got to get to. Why? I say this, spoiler alert, this is next week's sermon. Jesus is not here on the earth anymore. He's ascended into heaven. We have the Holy Spirit, a gift, as Jesus said, which is far better than himself. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit lives and acts in us. The Holy Spirit is with me, counseling me, giving me wisdom, just as he does in your home. Jesus says, go. Receive the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And at this moment, the disciples, they're no longer empty. They're no longer searching. Now they are completely filled. They're valuable. They have a purpose to carry out. See, that's what changed the disciples. That's what changed Peter from a cowardly fisherman into a, a dynamic preacher and missionary in the name of Jesus because he received the Holy Spirit. The disciples are filled. Now Thomas, verse 24, oh Thomas is an interesting case. Thomas called Didymus. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Thomas, what do we know him as? Doubting Thomas. Somebody give me an amen if you can identify with Doubting Thomas. If you've ever been where Thomas was, little old, I don't even know if he was little or old, Doubting 
Thomas. His name is, is in the history books for the rest of time for, about, for what he's about to say and about to do. But I want to preface this by, by pointing out we've all felt like this before. Right where Thomas is here in verse 24-25, left out. All the other disciples got to meet Jesus, encounter Jesus. They got to see his hands. They got to see his side. They got to experience the risen Lord. And they start to talk to Thomas about this. We've seen the Lord. You should have been there. It was amazing. It changed my life. We've all felt like this. Or we, at least, if we don't want to admit, yeah, I felt like that. We know people who feel like that, don't we? Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve. I'd rather be called Didymus than doubting Thomas, I'll tell you what. Was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, as if they thought they were doing him a favor, we've seen the Lord. But then he puts this little test out there. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, like you did, and unless I put my finger where the nails were, Unless I put my hand into his side. So Thomas says, not only do I want to see and to experience what you saw and experience, I want to go a little step beyond that. I want to know that Jesus considers me special. That he considers me valuable enough to put my finger in those nail marks and to put my hand in his side. Unless I see those things, Thomas says, here it is, I will not believe it. At that moment, boom, Thomas gets the stamp. Doubter. Doubting Thomas. A week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again. They're in the upper room again. This seems to be their like hideout when they don't want to face the world around him. What did Jesus just tell them that morning, or uh, a week earlier? Jesus said, go! Go back! I'm sending you out! Go! A week later, they're still in the upper room. Locked door. Lights off, I don't know. They're standing still in that emptiness. They're standing still in that confusion, in that kind of in-between time. I don't know what to do. A week later, his disciples, Jesus' disciples, were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. That's important. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them. And listen to these words as if you haven't heard them before. Peace be with you. I love that. I say again, the first thing Jesus says to us when he comes into us and we are experiencing emptiness and we've encountered and we're dealing with these emotions of emptiness, the first thing Jesus says to us is, peace be with you. It's an announcement. I'm here. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Then he said to Thomas, 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 come, come here. 
He calls him close. I don't know. He calls him and says, Thomas, I heard your words. I heard what you said. I heard that you said you would not believe unless three things happened. So Thomas first, here's my hands, here's my side. Now Thomas, put your, put your finger here and put your hand right here. He says, stop doubting and believe. See, when we stand in the emptiness, our emptiness, those experiences of our past, even our present, those encounters that we are wrapped up in, those emotions that we cannot explain but we cannot get rid of, when we stand in the emptiness, Jesus comes and he says, peace be with you, and then he shows himself to us. And our emptiness becomes peace, which then in turn turns to joy, overwhelming joy. Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Notice this, Thomas doesn't put his hand in there. It doesn't say that in John. John doesn't record that. Instead, Jesus shows his hands. He invites Thomas in. He says, whatever you need to believe, I'm here and I'm showing myself to you. Now experience it. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God, that's enough. I just need to see you. I just need to know that you cared. I just needed to know that you cared enough to show yourself to me just as you showed yourself to, to the rest of the disciples. His emptiness was turned to joy. Church, I want to ask you this morning, where are you experiencing emptiness right now? Just as I invited us to last week, I invite you again to step into that emptiness. To step into that emptiness. I ask again, where are you experiencing emptiness right now? Today I want to invite you to, and all of us, to stand in that emptiness. Just as the disciples stood in the upper room that day, not sure what to say, what to do, what to think, trying to wrap their minds around what had just occurred in the last two, three, four days, trying to wrap their minds around everything that Jesus had said that led to this moment, they stood in that room empty because Jesus was not there. So I invite us to stand in the emptiness of our lives and to stand in the emptiness of this world today. Even to embrace it at times to know that only then can Jesus meet us only then can Jesus say peace is here only then can Jesus show himself to us and our emptiness turns to joy see we have a lot of things in our lives 
and in our world today that will fill that emptiness for us, or we think it will. We can fill it with, with other people, with relationships. Well, that's, that's going to be enough. If I just get more friends, if I just have a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a spouse, that's going to be enough. If I, if I just get more possessions, see, if I can just get that car, that house, that's going to be enough. Or maybe if I just wrap myself up in the technology of this world, that's going to be enough. And yet we just keep coming back to the throne of grace, empty, again and again and again, and saying, I need more. This is not fulfilling. I don't know why my, why my life feels so empty. I don't know why the world around me feels so empty. I don't know why I have to deal with so much emptiness in this world. And I believe Jesus is crying out to us saying, because this is not your home. This is not the end of the story. I believe Jesus invites us to step into that emptiness, to embrace it, to stand there waiting for him. For some, it's going to take a long time. For some, we're going to actually have to do away with things in our life and wait for Jesus to come into our emptiness. Wait for him to announce his presence. Peace is here. This is what you've been waiting for. For some, it's going to take, it's going to take looking into the hurt and the brokenness that we have brought on Jesus. Just as the disciples did. Just as Peter did. For some of us it's going to take looking into the eyes of Jesus. The one that we have denied. And cursed. Just as Thomas did. Crying out to him. My Lord. And my God. Where are you experiencing emptiness? Right now. I invite you to step into that emptiness and let Jesus surround you. I invite you to stand in that emptiness and allow Jesus to show himself to you. And it's all that, as John 20, 31 proclaims, so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you might have life in His name. This morning I want us to close simply by pausing everything else in our lives, focusing our eyes on Jesus, and reflecting on this question. Let God speak to you. Let his Holy Spirit move upon you as you contemplate this question. Where am I experiencing emptiness right now? God, show us where we are experiencing encountering emptiness in our lives right now. Make it abundantly clear to us, Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit work, Jesus, revealing 
any emptiness in our lives. The Holy Spirit, give us the power. Give us the awareness, Jesus, to stand in that emptiness, just to bask in that emptiness, Lord. To even embrace it, to know, Lord Jesus, with confidence, with assurance that you come through that emptiness, that you stand before us and you announce your presence, peace be with you in the midst of emptiness. To know, Jesus, that as you announce your presence, you show yourself to us, Jesus. And in our joy, you do not leave us there, but you send us back out with the power of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. To go, to proclaim, to share as a witness in your name. The testimony that you've written on our heart, how you have called us out of the hurt, out of the confusion, confusion, out of the brokenness, out of the emptiness of this life. And you have announced Jesus, your message. churches, God is showing you anything in your life right now that, 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 that is empty. If you've come to that realization this morning that there is something in your life empty, experience, encounter, an emotion, something, so God reveals that to you. My invitation to you this morning is to stand and let God know that as you stand in the emptiness, that your desire is for him to show himself to you. 